This is producer Walter Shenson. John and I were just chatting. He asked me if I ever heard Ringo misuse the English language. And I said, well, give me an example. He said, well, if we were working hard at a recording session all night, the next day he would say something like, boy, that was a hard day's night. And when you think about it, it's a very interesting statement. And I said, John, that's a good title for our movie. I said to John one night, John, I think we're going to have to have a song called A Hard Day's Night. He said, what are you talking about? I said, what kind of a producer would I be to have a movie called A Hard Day's Night with the Beatles and not have a Beatles song called A Hard Day's Night? Please, you'll have to write a song. The next morning, he and Paul called me into their dressing room. We were still shooting and played and sang to me the song A Hard Day's Night. Now, think about this. I got a hit song on demand. That's almost impossible. It was one of their biggest hits. And this is Required Watching, where we watch the essential films from lists of cinematic influencers and look at them through the lens of learning about filmmaking and how to move forward. I'm your host, Trey Epps, and today we're talking about 1964's A Hard Day's Night. Directed by Richard Lester and written by Alan Owens, the film stars none other than the British rock group The Beatles. One of the BFI's top British films, the film takes place over two typical days in the life of the Beatles, where the boys struggle to keep themselves and Paul McCartney's mischievous grandfather in check while preparing for a live television performance. Billed as a mockumentary, A Hard Day's Night is the the mold for what we now know as films that have music in them as opposed to musicals. Before the film... Bands were seen on screen as more of a variety type project where there isn't much of a narrative aspect and it's strictly performances. This film changed everything. It's a, it was part of a three picture deal with United Artists, which gave the Beatles a wider audience on their already meteoric rise. To helm the film, Richard Lester, who was known for working in TV and advertising and comedy groups, To pen the film, Alan Owens, a Welshman living in Liverpool who also worked a fair bit in TV at this point. Of course, our stars, John, Paul, George, and Ringo, make their film debut. Lights up, the Beatles are being accosted by screaming fans, a theme in their life that is shared through the film, finally making it to the train, we see them have a second together before the introduction of Paul's grandfather. If he, if he looks like he will be in trouble or be any kind of trouble, it's because he will be. The kids eventually make it to their TV station and between rehearsals, hijinks ensue. Granddad makes the trouble that he promised and Ringo goes out on his own, accidentally finding his own trouble and they party where they can. This all leads to a last-minute arrival to their performance where they sing some of the hits we all know and love, and they finish, bow, and the credits roll. If you're looking to start a podcast, the best place to start is Anchor. It's free. The creation tools allow you to record and edit the podcast right from your phone or computer, and Anchor will distribute the podcast for you, so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Uh, You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's easy to do everything to make a podcast in one place. 
download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, just really quickly, every two weeks from this very second until December, we'll be giving away subscriptions to HBO Max, Criterion Collection, or the streaming service Movie. These are great platforms to watch some of the films that we'll be talking about during the show. So all you have to do is subscribe, leave a review, and we'll choose a new winner every two weeks. So get on it. Here are some fun facts. The whole of the original first day shoots, which was during the train sequence, was lost because the clapper uh, in the loader was mistaken by fans as one of the Beatles. He was running away from the screaming crowd and dropped the cans of negatives all over the floor. Another fun fact, the constant mention of, of Paul McCartney's grandfather being very clean are references to actor Wilfred Brimmel's playing a rag and bone man in Steptoe and Son. While, while, uh, while in the bathtub, John Lennon shouts, help! and plays with a toy submarine. In doing so, unknowingly predicts the Beatles' next two movies, Help and Yellow Submarine. Due to a minor road traffic accident while driving his Mini, Paul McCartney missed several weeks of filming. Due to the deadlines enforced by the Beatles' busy schedule, they've decided to carry on filming without McCartney and instead brought on an unknown actor who would pass on and Paul McCartney's resemblance. The the extra's name was William Shears, who was filmed primarily from behind. Following the completion of the film, he sent away all of his rights to his likeness, and as as well signed a confidentiality agreement and sadly disappeared back into obscurity. Well, that is, except he was mentioned in Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band with a line, the only the one and only Billy Shears. Okay, so here's some of my thoughts. Picture this. You live in a country that isn't America and you make it big. Your band is on the bullet train towards success and your manager tells you that you have a three movie deal. Sure, you turn, it, you turn away uh, at first because you don't want to make another movie like every other band does where, you know, the camera's just staring at you and watch you play your own music. I mean, they are saying your band is creating a mania and you're an artist, so let's not be like everyone else, right? This time, maybe a few weeks later, your manager comes back and says that it'll be a film with a story, something completely new, something completely different, and suddenly you and your bandmates are on board. But before they start shooting... You need to go to America to be on a, you know, a tiny little show called the Ed Sullivan Show, and uh, now you're, now you're huge in one of the biggest markets in the world, in addition to the other ones that you already conquered. The world has fallen in love with you, to an obses- obsession, and now you have to go back and film, uh, film a movie before its release that summer. I think that little tidbit about the making of the film and where the Beatles were 
before they filmed this and where they were when this was completed and shown is possibly one of the biggest things about the movie. It's so interesting and so fun to to think about the idea that you... They, they, the Beatles were not obscure whatsoever, but to explode the way you did and to only have this movie catapult you even further is something that should be acknowledged. The film itself is rather fun. Again, I wouldn't consider it a mockumentary at all, but I think I think what's written and how it was directed and even the acting of a band that would go on to make a few more of these similar type uh, films is quite fun and quite interesting. And even if it isn't, you know, directly, you know, their lives, because again, it's not a documentary or a mockumentary, it's it definitely gives you some insight into a band that was relatively private. I mean, we, we now know so much about the Beatles, but I don't think at the time we knew much about them. And it wasn't, I, I think, I, I don't know. I, I Maybe I'm completely wrong, but I think this this allowed you to feel much more connected with them. And I think this, again, led to the hysteria that was Beatlemania. And I, I just don't think this is something you can create, even if you had some witchcraft, right? Like the hype, the hype was, was everything that was necessary to make this film an absolute success. But let's be honest, the Beatles were were a triumph of their time and like love them or hate, love them or hate them. I think you have to acknowledge that what they created for themselves was unlike what we are doing today. Uh, yeah. And again, musicians didn't come from this kind of film role. Like it just wasn't a thing. We, we saw, we certainly saw before and after this, how bands sat in front of a camera and played music. And this was a film that, broke out from that. Maybe it wasn't the absolute first, but it was one of the first to really break out from that. I love the Beatles. My wife is from Liverpool. I go to Liverpool quite often, so I definitely feel an affinity to them. It's it's super fun and surreal and I I enjoy a bit of surrealism when we look at when we look at uh, shows like Atlanta or Rami or or things like that. I think I think they definitely lead lend to this kind of humor that I really enjoy. I think I think this film is required watching. I think this film is is an example of how to be different, even if you're just pivoting ever so much and combining two things that people don't t- haven't typically had, which is a band playing music and an actual story and melding these things together into something that was fun, something that felt really witty and flowed again with these non-actors. It, it was it was a great time. It, the script was really quippy and witty and like the cinematic mistakes were just all over this thing. Like continuity just didn't exist, but it all worked. It wasn't a matter of, it wasn't a matter of let's make everything perfect. It was a matter of having fun with it. And I think you can tell that everyone involved in this film was having a great time. And I think it, yeah, I I definitely think it showed and it made me as an audience member have fun with them. So yeah, yeah. Watch this film, have fun with it, learn how, learn how to write something that's going to fit in the mouths of, of, of your actors. Again, I, think, I, think, I don't think a lot of this felt unnatural, but I think there's something to be said about working with, with non-actors and making it. Like, this is mumblecore, it's greatest, right? Like, we know who the Beatles are, but they aren't actors. 
So that's our episode. I'm your host, Trey Epps. What did you think of the movie? Did I get it right or was I completely off base? Leave a message and we'll play it during our ex- our next episode and discuss. Required Watching is a movie club, so as much as I'd love to hear my own voice, I would love to hear from you guys. There's a link in the show notes where you can leave a voice message or you can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Required Watch. See you there. Hey, just really quickly, every two weeks from this very second until December, we'll be giving away subscriptions to HBO Max, Criterion Collection, or the streaming service Movie. These are great platforms to watch some of the films that we'll be talking about during the show. So all you have to do is subscribe, leave a review, and we'll choose a new winner every two weeks. So get on it.